Welcome to Transforming Experiences and Customer Success, formerly Strike Deck Radio. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Medallia and the Success League. Medallia's customer success automation platform helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Success League is a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Transforming Experiences in Customer Success and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And Irene Lefton is joining me on today's show. Irene is the co-chair of the Customer Success Leadership Network's Governing Council, has advised many startups, and has served as the VP of Customer Success for many others. Irene is a true customer success evangelist, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Irene, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure, Kristen. So I know you've been on the podcast before, but for those who don't know you, can you share the story of how you landed in customer success? Sure. Um, I've been focused on customers all my life because I grew up in a family business, a small business that worked with both customers and their ecosystem partners. It was a orthopedic shoe store and a dance store. Well, what do those have in common? (laughs) They both require detailed knowledge of feet and proper fitting of shoes. Yeah. And, and we had a CRM on index cards. This was way before computers. Yeah. And we made sure that the desired outcome of the doctor or the dance instructor were communicated and delivered to the customer who was purchasing their shoes or dancewear. So we were sort of a marketplace. We had two, we had both the doctor or the dance instructor and the customer to satisfy, and we were the go-between. And when they returned for, for business, and they did, mm-hmm. we knew exactly what they'd purchased, how, how, how we had adapted it. And we knew exactly what color leotard they needed to wear or what kind of shoes they needed to get. They didn't have to remember any of that. And it made everybody happy. So when I got my economics degree and my MBA, I had grown up in that environment. So I just naturally focused on how to build businesses from the customer perspective. And I have a long career, both in large enterprise and small startups. And I did some big six consulting for a while, spanning many industries. And Mm -hmm. I always found that focusing on the customer made both me and my company successful. Yeah. So I I ran professional services and technical support and training teams. And I dipped my toes into sales and marketing as an individual contributor across my career. And I pivoted to CS almost as soon as it was emerging as a function. And here I am. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love the story of the the shoe store. I think that a lot of us in this field got our start in retail and, you know, that can be good or bad depending on your experience, but it's really cool to hear about how you had kind of a CRM system on index cards. Yeah. You know, I think that business is learning from consumer all the time. Yeah. I think consumer, you know, in the software space, especially it's just, you know, the personalization, a lot of what we see now in business a lot of what we see with customer success and, and marketing with, uh, you know, how we engage and personalization and all that kind of stuff. 
came out of the consumer world. So that's where I yeah. cut my teeth. Yeah. I came out of fabric stores. Mm -hmm. Those were my first several jobs and similar. And you, you learn a lot from that. You learn how to take care of people and, and, you know, and I, I would imagine in shoes too, but it definitely in fabric stores, there's a lot of sort of pushy designer types that come in. And well, <laughs> you learn how to make yourself very invaluable to them. So yeah, yeah. we had, uh, we had a lot of people coming in in pain. Uh -huh. and, and so yeah. that, that taught me kind of how to cope with and deal with um, the pain chain and how to yeah. understand how to manage uh, that and how transformational that can be for people. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the Customer Success Leadership Network just hosted an event, this was last week, where you interviewed some executives about their experiences as customers. So they were your customer panel. I wish we did more events like this in our field. I think it's really easy to get stuck in our viewpoints as CS leaders. Um, can you tell the audience a little more about the event in case they weren't able to attend? Sure. Well, first of all, it was great. <laughs> it's, Yeah. I, and we, uh, we interviewed um, two executives, Isaac Vaughn, who's the chief customer officer of Zenefits, and Deirdre Mahone, who's the VP of marketing from Blameless. Okay. And we wanted to find out what they were looking for when they engaged with vendor CS teams. Okay. So we had both the enterprise, because um, Zenefits is a public company enterprise size. Yeah. And the startup perspective, because Blameless is small, and it's also developer focused, which is a big deal these days. Mm -hmm. And so we had both the startup and developer perspective there represented. And there were some overlaps in what they thought, and there were some definite differences as well. But we had the conversation, and it will be uh, up on our website um, eventually, so you can go and listen to it and watch the show. Okay, that's great. Um, let's start with the positive. What did the panelists like about customer success and what did they think was working well with the customer success teams they were working with? Yeah. So I have to caveat this by saying we realized that we ended up with two executives who are huge fans of customer success. <laughs> okay. So maybe not representative of everyone. That's right. But okay. they, they definitely value the function. So that was a great place to start. Okay. They talked about their own CS teams and how important they were in their company. But the biggest uh, things that they thought were positives were, number one, having CS teams that come prepared and are proactive about sharing information in a constructive way. Okay. Both of them um, have experienced CS teams that come to them unprepared, mm -hmm. and they don't like that at all. <laughs> Yeah. They also liked having a success plan that showed very clearly, no matter what the product was, how they were going to achieve their objectives, their ROI or whatever other positive outcome. Mm -hmm. And they liked it when vendors were able not only to articulate that and tell them that, but to illustrate it with data. And they want the vendors, CS teams, to hold them accountable for ensuring what that they achieve whatever it is that they deem as jointly deem in the success plan as success. Mm -hmm. So they want to be held accountable. They want to be called out when they're not meeting their goals and not doing mm -hmm. what they're supposed to do. And they want to they want real insights on top of just the basics and the table stakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I I like that. Um, 
I like that they talked about accountability because I think that that's something that CS teams complain about a lot is that, especially during onboarding, customers aren't being accountable for the things that they need to do in order to have a successful onboarding. And I think that sometimes we sort of just expect customers to be accountable all on their own, but we are, you know, we need to hold them accountable. That's and right. that's how accountability happens. Yeah, I mean, so, they said, yeah. you know, sharing information in a constructive way. That's a quote from what yeah. one of them said. And I think I that it. that means, you know, don't be afraid to tell us when we're screwing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that it that is a little bit of a fear point for some CSMs because you don't want to right off the bat be telling customers, oh, you're, you know, this is not working very well. But you have to. Yeah. If it's not. And so I think that's a great call out. Well, I think of when I when they said that, the first thing that popped in my mind is one of my favorite books, The Challenger Sale, right? Yeah. Because that is all about how to how to do that, how to mm-hmm. how to be challenging in a constructive, positive way. Right. Yeah. I love that book too. Um, okay, so I want to get one negative that I am sure came up during your discussion out of the way for starters. Um, so executive business reviews or quarterly business reviews or whatever you call them. What did you learn about EBRs from the customer's perspective? Well, there was one key learning, and interestingly enough, it was less of an issue than I expected it to be. Oh, okay. But this definitely came up. There were questions from the audience about it. And the one key learning was that you do not need to match the executive in the QBR or the EBR. So in other words, if you have a CCO, you don't need to have your executive there necessarily. So that question was asked directly. It's like, do we need to have a matching executive for you when you're in an EBR? And the answer was absolutely not. We don't care about your executives. That's interesting. That is not a question I would have thought of because I would have assumed you didn't need to match. So it's interesting that people were thinking that. Yeah. So one of the audience members was asking about that and they said, no, you don't need to match. They said, the only time we need to talk to one of your executives is when we're having a problem, when there's an escalation. Yeah. But what we, but they did say that um, it was less, I expected too many EBRs or, you know, especially on a quarterly cadence. And they both did say sometimes quarterly is too much. Yeah. They both valued the EBRs though. And they were willing to spend some time, an appropriate amount of time, <clears throat> not necessarily quarterly with the vendors, as long as they were getting insights and information, it goes back to the proactive yeah. and the contribution. Um, neither of them liked a lack of preparation if there's no agenda or a meaningless agenda, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. They want to understand how they fit into the bigger picture, what's coming in the roadmap that can benefit them, and where they're not fully taking advantage of the product and should be doing things differently to get a better ROI. And yeah. I think this is largely because both these executives are real fans of CS and want to leverage it. Yeah. Because I have personally engaged with many other executives who don't have the time or bandwidth to engage with their CS teams. And after talking to these two, I kind of realized that maybe that's because they don't value the customer insights as much. Right. If they, if you have a team that is, um, you know, if you have a customer that is pushing back on EBRs or QBRs, 
my guess is that their culture is not very customer centric in that company. And you need well, to find a different way to manage that. Yeah, that or they've been burned by bad executive business reviews in the past. I mean, there are still, unfortunately, I think a lot of really bad QBRs out there that are sort of very focused on the vendor, not very focused on the customer, That's not true. very informative, mm-hmm. um, and not based on value. They're based on just information sharing, and those aren't nearly as interesting. Yeah, I mean, they really want they want preparation, and they mm-hmm. want to understand, they want to get value out of it. So as long yeah. as there's that... But they also don't want to be ignored because one of the panelists um, talked in particular about a a very large CRM vendor who will go unnamed, but we (laughs) all know who it is. Um, (laughs) And and that CRM vendor um, didn't, you know, refuse to engage with them because they're too small and they understand that. But they had growth potential and they said they did not like having to go hunt down their CSM because right. they because they never got contacted. Right. Yeah. We use Salesforce. <laughs> we're, we're small. Um, I, I know the drill, but it, it is hard because you do sometimes have needs and then you do have to go hunting for yeah. people. So. Yeah, they didn't like the hunting part. Yeah. That's, so what else came up um, that wasn't working very well for those customers on the panel? Well, the... The biggest thing was a lack of preparation, and they mentioned it over and over and over again. Okay. And they said it happens often when there's a turnover in the CSMs that serve them. Okay. And um, although they recognize that turnover happens, Mm -hmm. um, they really didn't like the inconsistency of that and the fact that the when a turnover happened, they felt like somebody had pressed the reset button and they had to start over. They felt like the vendor should have at least communicated, you know, what the plan was, what the ROI was and all, you know, all of that. And um, they also said that when there's a lot of turnover, it gives them the impression that the vendor isn't prepared and maybe that they're not treating their employees that well. Mm, Interesting. So the second thing they brought up is not ignoring them, which we were just talking about, especially when they're a smaller customer. So they don't expect white glove service and they're very willing to, but they both said they were very willing to make a vendor change if they felt their business wasn't appreciated and recognized. Interesting. And both felt that they had a small, you know, especially the startup person, Deirdre felt like they had the potential to grow with their vendors. If the vendor CSM teams helped them do it. Mm -hmm. But because they're small, they don't get as much attention from the vendor CSM teams. So that puts a lack of focus on their business and could impede their growth that would eventually bring more upsell to that vendor. Yeah. I mean, and I think this that points straight to kind of how I think customer success has needed to shift over the last few years. You know, it was very churn focused initially. And, you know, I think now it's opportunity focused and it's focused on, you know, when you've got smaller organizations and maybe they're in some sort of digital or automated program, you still have to be looking for those opportunities, those places where there's companies like that that are poised for growth and and tackle them a little differently than you would 
a customer who's who's sort of camped out where they are. Right, right. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. I just think, you know, the, the stage, um, the stage at which the company is at, um, if they if they are in the early stage where they're poised for growth, yeah, um, they might need a different path down their customer yep. journey than just the pure tech touch because you could be leaving money on the table and they both made it very clear that, hey, you know, if you're going to ignore us, somebody else comes knocking, we'll answer the door. Yeah, we have one client who has a digi- digital program and a customer like that would fall in that program. But then with... Um, customers where they know there's some white space and room for growth, they have an overlay to their digital program that kind of sits on top of the digital program and helps those kinds of customers through the, um, the process of growing, which I think is cool because you're leveraging all of the great stuff that hopefully you built for your digital program. Um, but you're, you're giving those customers a little extra boost so that they can get where they want to go and kind of solve for that. That's exactly what they were looking for. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So what sort of questions should CSMs be asking their customers? We didn't talk about this explicitly, but I think based on what they said. Okay. Um, they should be asking, what's the value you expect to get from our product? Or what are the outcomes you expect to get so that they have something to measure against? Okay. Um, definitely, we did talk about this. What communication cadence do you want from us? Oh, yeah. What did they say? They said, ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's they said, excellent we, advice. We want to be able to have that, you know, and... Um, yeah. So, and what kinds of things should we be reporting to you? That's, that's another question that the mm-hmm. CSM should be asking them because okay. they may have in mind some things that they're looking for. Like we're looking for where we can expand our business this way, or we're looking for where we can make better use of your tool, or we're looking for where we um, stand against other similar companies in our industry that are your customers or but ask what kinds of things they should be reporting. Yeah. You know, I have a question for you on this, Irene. So one thing that I notice is that when we teach people in in our classes to ask really good questions like that, sometimes the feedback I'll get from CSMs who are in the classes is, hey, you know, we ask these kinds of questions, but our customers can't answer them. 
I think that that's an indication that maybe they're talking to somebody who's not a decision maker or not at the level where they can have a view of kind of the bigger picture goals. But I guess, what's your take on that? Um, well, I have a bias on that. Okay. <laughs> I think they probably aren't asking the question in the right way. Okay. Because I think that um, if somebody comes back, say, say you say, what's the value you expect to get from our product? And they say, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know. I'm not the buyer. I'm just the user. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you have to dig deeper. It's about, yeah. it's about, um, there's a technique I learned from a sales training years ago called empty the glass. Okay. Uh -huh. And you would ask a question and they would give you a little bit of information. So we would actually pour a little water from one glass to the other. Okay. And the, they were, they were paper cups. So you didn't know how much water was in there. Okay. So you knew that you had gotten an answer. And if you just took that answer, that little bit of water and ran with it, you didn't have all the information because the other cup was full. Yeah. And so you have to learn how to dig deeper conversationally. And I think this is a really hard skill. I just, you know, they call it, it a is. soft skill, but I think it's a hard skill. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, so you have to say, if somebody says, well, I'm just the user, I'm not the buyer. You can say, okay, well then, you know, I'll have to talk to someone else to get the buyer's expectations, but what do you expect as the user? Mm -hmm. And you're still going to get some expectations about ease of use, about mm -hmm. um, simplicity, about the data that they put into it, that they might be hard to find or the data that they get out of it. That is the wrong kind of thing. You know, you still get more information and you can always ask the follow on question that is, who should I talk to? to understand what the buyer value is if you don't know yeah. who that person is. So it's all about digging deeper. Yeah. You, if you can get down to that person going, you know what I really want is I want a longer lunch break and I'm hoping your product can save me that half an hour that I have to spend hey. on reporting, then you got there. Right, exactly. <laughs> your glass will be empty then. But you have to dig in because... Yeah. You know, it's about, they give you, you're building trust, especially when you're first in a relationship and asking yeah. questions is a good way to do that. But you also have to make and set expectations, right? So yeah. and I think that's something that people forget about. They just jump mm -hmm. right into the questions. It's all about the relationship overall. The questioning is just one part of it. Yeah. So, you know, if you can set an expectation, even if that's like, I'm going to call you tomorrow at two and then call promptly tomorrow at two. Yeah. Or I'm going to send you this by the end of the day today and then send it by the end of the day. So rather than just say, I'm going to send it to you, make it an expectation by putting a time frame on it and then meet the time frame. Because when you set an expectation and meet that expectation, even if it's a tiny little small thing, it builds trust. Mm -hmm. And then when you have the trust and you ask the open-ended questions, you get deeper answers. You empty your glass more. Yeah or they empty their glass more and you have a fuller cup. Yep. I like it. I think that's a great analogy too. Um, so was there anything that you learned from the panel that surprised you about the customer perspective on customer success? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to learn. I don't know that I was surprised, but I just had not really thought about this, but it was interesting to learn that their interactions with their vendors will vary a lot based on where they are with that product, like how long they've been using it. Okay. And also based on how long they as an executive have been with the company. So there's like three dimensions there, right? Oh, okay. Interesting. 
And so when they are, so to take the second one, when they're new to the company and meeting a vendor for the first time, they want more time and attention to understand the history. Okay. Now that relationship with that vendor may have been going on for three, five years with other executives. Mm-hmm. But when they're a new executive, they really want, they want to go back to the relationship building phase of the customer journey, sort of, and get a little tender, yeah. loving care because they didn't go through the onboarding. They don't know the history of the onboarding. Their team isn't going to tell them what happened during the onboarding because they're up and running, right? Perhaps the team that did the onboarding isn't even with them anymore. Mm-hmm. So when they're new and meeting the vendor for the first time, they wanted just more time and attention, understand the history, what worked historically, what didn't work, and help them get up to speed. That was really valuable mm-hmm. for them. And then in terms of the vendors that they've been using the product for a long time, they still want to know what's going on. And especially if they've diverged from the main path of of what the vendor profile is, right? Yeah. Are they still the ideal customer profile? And if not, is it because they're not using the product enough? And uh, maybe they're not, they're taking their business in the wrong direction and they need to know and understand that. Yeah. So those two dimensions were something that sort, that came up um, through the course of the conversation that I found very interesting and surprised me a little bit. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I think it's always fun when there's surprises in these things, because you and I spend a lot of time thinking about customer success and talking about customer success. And it's, really nice to hear from customers. I think this is one of the best things about these panels is that you do get surprises and those surprises really can kind of spur your thinking to go in different directions when you're thinking about customer success. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome. So if there's a leader out there who's thinking, oh, you know, all this stuff you're talking about, that's not my customer base. They love our QBRs. Everything's perfect the way it is. Um, how would you suggest that they approach learning more about what their customers really want? Well, I think it's about asking the right questions. Okay. You know, finding the right cadence to communicate and communicating with their customers. I mean, they are they is their customer happy with the cadence at which they're communicating? Maybe they are. Maybe they're just fine, you know? Uh-huh. But um, it's always good to checkpoint on some of this stuff, right? Are we being proactive enough with you? Do you want to know more about the parts of our product that you're not using? Do you need to, um, you know, do we need to set new goals? Do, should mm-hmm. we, we've achieved the success plan that we set when we first started. Do you have other goals that we can help you achieve mm-hmm. either with other products that we have or with, I mean, this is the chance for upsell, right? So they actually right. invite that opportunity for upsell if it's going to help them be more successful. Right. Yeah, I think our last guest on the podcast was Bob London, and he talked about setting up listening tours with clients. And I think sometimes in CS, we get a little overly reliant on our surveys. And this is kind of more of a conversation, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of listening tours. I always, first thing I always do when I join a company, and then I try to have a, like a consistent calendar of listening going forward. And it's not a QBR. That's not right. a time for listening. There's a different time to have the executive level conversations. Yeah. No, I think I think a listening tour is its own thing. And mm-hmm. I've done them in person. 
You can do them over video too. Um, sorry, I had a cough there. Um, so I'll edit that out. So let me just start from my last comment. Yeah. So I love listening tours and I've done them in person and then I've done them, you know, over the phone and they, they don't have to be super long. Um, I think they can be a half an hour conversation and you can get a lot of really good information from even a short conversation, as long as you're asking good questions and not making assumptions. Yeah. And as long as you're respectful of their time, you know, you yeah. schedule it on their time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You know, this last question, we ask it every time. Um, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success today and why? That's always a hard question. There's so I, many things. I know, I know there are so many trends. <laughs> well, you know, what I, what I will say is that I am so grateful and appreciative that customer success has grown up as much as it has since I've been mm -hmm. involved with it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, so many, you know, getting a seat at the table, having uh, consistent customer success functions, um, using the technology, leveraging the data, all of these things, you know, five, seven, 10 years ago were pipe dreams right. that we had, right? <laughs> and now all of these are table stakes. So what I see coming up next, I think, is um, kind of realizing the lip service we give to the outside in. So everybody yeah. thinks that they're customer centric, but I think a very small percentage of CS teams are truly customer centric. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, finding the ways that we can realize that and actually engaging with our customers more. And that means not just with the users and the buyers, but maybe also with the, investors and the, mm -hmm. the boards and the other executives who work with customer success. I mean, we had a C, we had a COO and a VP of marketing who were both huge fans of customer success. We need more companies where there are fans of customer success in all of the functions, right? Product needs to be a fan. And so as a CS executive, I guess, I think one of the next big things is focusing across and above. Right. I like that. Well, Irene, um, as always, thank you for being part of today's podcast. I'm so glad that you could join me today and share the feedback that you received at the Customer Success Leadership Network event last week. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about the Customer Success Leadership Network, what should they do? Well, that's a great question. So um, <laughs> there are so the best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn right now. Okay. I'm about to launch my own website uh, by the end of the year this year. So it'll be IreneLefton.com. Okay. It's not there yet, but it will be. Um, it's under construction. And then, um, and so you'll be able to contact me through that as well. In terms of the Customer Success Leadership Network, we have a LinkedIn group that you can join. Um, Customer Success Leadership Network. You can reach us at our website, which is customersuccessnetwork.com. All spelled out. And uh, we also have a very active Slack channel, which you can join through our website. Mm -hmm. That's got oh, about, I think we're over 5,200 people now, 5,200 yeah, people. Yeah, it's a really solid group now. And a lot of conversation and action going on there all the time and in job postings and uh, best practices and discussions and all kinds of stuff. So 
those are the I guess that that's a, that's the multitude of ways to reach. That's great. Yeah. And I think if you if you follow uh, customer success leadership network on LinkedIn, you'll you'll see all the rest of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you'll we, see the Slack, yeah. you'll see the website, yeah. you'll see where our events are. We do monthly uh-huh. events. So we do have yep. an event coming up next month as well. Yeah, so. it's a great place to start. Um, and thanks again, Irene, for joining me today. I also want to thank our sponsors, Medallia and the Success League. To learn more about Medallia's customer success solution, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.